0: listening to lighten up with the declutterista and I'm your host Becky Bass the declutterista I'm all about having fun with mom life decluttering and interviewing inspiring guests so I'm gonna start off talking about some interesting experiences I've had the past week or so Um, my son wanted to play blocks downstairs We have like old school cardboard giant blocks, which I think are good to have. And probably I was thinking about it in terms of like cluttery toys. They're so big, they're easy to pick up. I've had them for a few years and the kids still play with them. So I don't know if you can find them anywhere. I got them at a yard sale. Anyway, so I went to play blocks and then we went into the guest room in the basement and we saw like such a quaint, sad, yet beautiful sight. We have this like tent princess castle, which I kind of can't stand because it takes up a lot of space and um, my kids don't really play with it, but I feel like it's one of those things like, oh, if kids come over, they might want to play with it. Um, So there was a a really cute dead mouse in it. And I don't know, my son found it and we were like, oh my God, oh my God. Um, It was just interesting because yes, part of me is like, Oh God, we have mice. But for some reason, I was just more in awe that it like chose to die. How did it die in the princess castle? Why was it looking there? And my mind works in like status updates, so I like posted it. Say, what would the caption be here? And some people were like, "Move out." Um, other people made like Disney references, um, so that was interesting. And it, yeah. Anyway, I don't get a detail, but I guess who picked up the mouse? Also, I've been having a lot of issues like with my fireplace. It's just an eyesore and I'm pretty happy with my living room Um, but there's this fireplace we're not using. It's just hideous. My new friend uh Rosemary, Rose, Rosemary Thomas just ripped off the hideous gold frame looks like from the 80s or something and gave me some tips on what to get to make it better. I went to Home Depot. I am like pretty good at knocking things off my list and having a fun time like just getting stuff done but also making sure I do things I want to do when the kids are in school so I'm like boom 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 go to Home Depot and it's not a great story but basically I kind of I thought I asked like where can I find this paint but apparently I asked for an opinion and it was just like I wouldn't you know I was talking about the slate that I have like it's like green and reddish purple different things and I wanted to paint it because it just really bothers me he's like I wouldn't do that oh my god if you resell the house and it's slate you don't paint slate just get into lots of opinions and um telling me I need to like do better research I don't know all these things so I didn't like it um I mean he was nice he's like well he asked my opinion I'm like did I um I just I don't know. I guess I have mixed feelings going into Home Depot. I talked in another podcast about like kind of feeling like the difference between men and women, which I don't feel that often. Sometimes in Home Depot, I do. I don't want to do the research. I want to go to the experts and and tell them, uh, you know, tell me exactly what to do. But anyway, I posted. Oh, first of all, after home depot I just I think I just gave up kind of on getting stuff I was just like oh this sucks and then um first world problem and then I just was like I just feel like a treat I want peanut M&Ms is kind of my go-to since I had little kids I don't know why and then the woman um checking me out at the register not like checking me out was like, um, oh, snack time. And I'm like, no, I'm stress eating. This this outing made me stress. And then I told her what happened. She's like, I just paint over everything. So I posted on Facebook, of course, I don't know. I think it was more just to see if it would generate conversation because I get overwhelmed by a lot of ideas and I don't go on Pinterest and look up things. I just kind of want things to get done. Someone to do it or me to figure out how to do it really quickly. So I posted the fireplace. I got all these suggestions and my friend um, Rosemary, I think is over there now, just getting it done for me. So I appreciate that. So that is some of the random things that have gone. I've gone through. Now I'm going to give you some decluttering or sort of decluttering-related tips, talking about gifts for the holidays. Black Friday's fun, you know, all these sales, this, that, it's not even Thanksgiving, we're already thinking about gifts, I'm already reaching out to the teachers, what sort of class gifts do you want? So as you can imagine, I declutter a lot of stuff, so I'm not really into stuff. Um, You know, there are sentimental things that mean a lot to me that I have but just to give you some ideas on some gifts because you're putting a lot of effort, money. Maybe your people want experiences. Mm. Maybe not kids actually. Kids like stuff. Um so that's a little bit tricky, but something kind of mean that I've been giving kids lately. <laughs> There's this um oh, what's it called? What's it called? It's a journal. Big life journal. So it's basically like a mindset journal for ages 7 to 11 and it has all these like mindset exercise and you can draw and i do it with my daughter and she actually likes it like if she were to go to starbucks with me we'd do it together I'm not like forcing it down her throat. Like you need to work your, you need to work your mindset know, So it's like our thing. And so I've been giving it as gifts. They're not cheap, but I get them online. I got a couple so I could give them out. And I have a feeling the kids are like, are you kidding me? What the hell is this? But the parents are happy. So those are good. I think those are a good gift because it doesn't take up. It's not cluttery and it's actually like helping. And maybe the kids will like it and change their life. Maybe not. Um, I also give Amazon cards, which are kind of lazy, but everyone gets excited my daughter my my family knows that we're that getting me stuff is not a great idea so they help pay for expensive camps um they also got me and my daughter a cooking class that we did together which was a blast she loved it it was so relaxing so experiences like that um kids classes things like that so those are my ideas for um you know shopping um also like movie tickets like there we have a kids birthday party Coming up this weekend, I'm thinking I'm actually going to go see Mr. Rogers. Like go from here to Mr. Rogers, which is super exciting. Um, I was just going to get her gift a movie ticket or you know a certificate because if her birthday party's there, obviously she likes the movies, and that's always a good thing because I, I people are like me, they're in their house watching Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff, and they're not experiencing the movies anymore. So I think that's a good one as well, kind of luxurious. And those are my. Declutterista gift-giving ideas. Happy holidays. I'm very excited today to have my guest, Lisa Dahl. She is a health and wellness coach and an amazing person and deals with one of my mind dramas. What is your expertise in your wellness
1: coaching? So as a health and wellness coach, I work with men and women, helping them learn how to be happy, confident, and healthy at any size. In addition, I am a former caterer and I bring my food experience and work as a meal planning expert. And with all of that, I also take a I work with an organization called Vesta that supports men and women navigating life before, during, and after divorce, with the focus of self care, which is really the essence of all of health and wellness coaching.
0: Awesome. So, self care is one of those phrases—a catch. You know, people are saying self care; they're saying all the things. When you say self care, what exactly and what context do you mean? We're not talking necessarily about um, getting a pedicure. Or taking a shower, or maybe getting your car cleaned would be (laughs) self-care.
1: But all of that is actually part of self-care. Yeah. And based on the range of topics that you mentioned is that self-care means something different to everyone. Manicures, pedicures, they're all great. Nobody's going to say, well, most people aren't going to say that they don't enjoy it. It's a luxury. And it's something that you look forward to and you plan. Self-care really starts and begins with you at every minute as part of your day. What is it that you can do today that's going to make you feel better physically, emotionally, mentally? How you take care of you is how you show up every day. So I always say there is a ripple effect of self-care. How you take care of you is how you show up for work, how you show up as a partner, your spouse, for your children, for your parents, whatever, whoever you connect with, even the person at the supermarket. How you feel about yourself is what you put out there and how people respond to you. So this is not about creating a to-do list. That is the last thing that self-care needs to be because there's enough to-do lists in every which way that we function. So it's thinking about... Taking a minute or two and thinking everything that you know about health and wellness, what is one thing that would make you feel better? Is it, you know, taking five minutes to meditate, sitting outside in the sunshine, taking a bath, going to sleep five minutes earlier, taking a break, whatever it is, maybe it's eating half the pint of ice cream versus the full pint of ice cream. However, you can do something to make yourself feel a little bit better is what self-care means to you and whether it's time, nourishment, physical activity, emotional, mental, it's what's important to you and what your next action step is based on where you're at today
0: I love that. Um, what I'm really into and what's like not really negotiable is getting up in the morning early. I set my alarm 5 four, uh, no no 445 and i meet my mom and sister at the gym i talk about this a lot cuz i guess i'm proud of it and it's one of my habits that stick and then i go to starbucks and i think and i go on my phone and then i feel like i'm ready to take on the day with the kids that's a no brainer for me but yeah self care i don't know i feel like some people like you know stay at home moms feel like that's one more thing like you were talking about to do list feel guilty you know about um but baby steps it doesn't have to be anything major you know
1: and as a stay at home mom What can you do with your kids? We often watch our kids play. We watch them on the field and we take a passive role. How do you change that passive role and become more interactive? So instead of going to the playground and watching your kids, and sometimes you choose to watch your kids because you're physically and mentally, emotionally exhausted and you're very happy to sit there and watch your kids and not be entertaining them, how do you start to make that shift? Or if you are going to the baseball field, instead of sitting on the bench and watching, go take a walk. Do something physical if that's what your competing priorities look like. Because we're all busy. We all have the same 24 hours. We all choose to make different choices and have things being different priorities. So... It's taking time to think about what are your priorities, how do you manage your competing priorities, and how do you put yourself in there so that you have some time for you. And at the end of the day, you don't feel like you have given to everybody else except for yourself because that becomes a drain and it's not sustainable. So everyone has a different, you know, non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. And you identified yours is that, you know, you get up at 4.45 and you've created community. You're with your sister, you're with your mom, because that is probably one of the key things that keeps you accountable and makes it a habit that's doable because it works for you. You're not fighting with it. It's your easy. So you identified that you get up. You know that you're accountable to somebody else. It makes you feel good. It empowers you. You look forward to your coffee afterwards, and it puts you in a great mindset to go and be present with your kids most of the day.
0: Yeah, it's such a game changer. You can really feel the difference when you don't, when I don't do that. Every morning, it's hard to wake up. I was telling my mom um, that I think of like an excuse every morning. <laughs> like today, I have to admit I didn't go. Um my kids woke me up a few times and the day before my dog woke me up and I was probably gonna bail yesterday, but my sister said she wasn't going. So we always want at least one. We try all three to go. Um, but if they weren't there, so it's such a huge thing to have like for me at least to have a buddy to go to. I mean, um I'm a little bit hard on myself that when I'm there, I'm not working out hard. Might as well. I mean I'm there, but I'm just kinda la 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 like the social The socializing and the focusing on my family is more important, but, you know, you can't beat yourself up about all that.
1: The fact that you're going and you hit on two different topics. One was some days it's really hard to get up and- it's really not about hard getting up at 445 is what happened prior to that makes it difficult. Is it that you're going to bed late? I mean, you can't control whether your kids are coming in and moving into bed with you and the chaos that goes on. You know, it's always movement in the middle of the night. So you <laughs> so can't. The dog, you, it's you, the kids. The dog, it's the kids. It's, <laughs> I, and I remember those days very well. And so, and sleep is so important that sometimes, It's not about you being lazy or that you don't want to or you can't. Sometimes sleep is probably the better choice, and it's not something to to feel guilty about. Sleep is one of the key core foundations of self-care, and we shouldn't feel guilty over needing sleep. Gone are the days we are the champions where we say, oh, you know, I can do everything, and I got three to four hours of sleep. That's not something to be proud of anymore. It's something to really think about and say, you know what, is this how I want to be running my life? And some days there are no choices. There's things that are out of our control and that's part of it. And maybe those are the days that you say, you know what, I do need an extra hour sleep so that I can show up and be present and do my full-time job and take care of my kids and be present for my spouse. So there is a balance. The thing to be careful about is that you said habit, and it's always a habit Until it isn't a habit anymore. So if you kind of say, you know what, I'm going to, my commitment to the gym or working out is on a minimum four days a week. If I can get five days in there, that's great. If I can do anything more than that, then that's a bonus. This way, you don't feel that you have broken your habit, Mm. you have set a goal that is really easy and obtainable. And you can do it. So setting those expectations for what that habit needs to look like makes you feel that you're not breaking your habit and out of sync. Mm. And when I was watching your video today, you said
0: something about a habit, like the hand, the your dominant hand versus – that's really a game changer. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's one of my favorite things. And I actually um, stole that exercise from another person, Jennifer Zeibel. She's awesome. She is amazing. You need to have her on the show stat. Yeah, she's she's a hot ticket. And I remember I had seen her talk and it really stood out because it resonates with the client base that I work with. And the exercise is, is that if you use your dominant hand and you write the statement, this is what a practiced habit looks and feels like. And then using your non-dominant hand and you write the statement, this is what a new habit feels like. That is what change is all about. That right hand, you did it. You didn't think about it. It was natural. It was a no-brainer. You could probably be talking and multitasking while you wrote it. Your left hand, all of a sudden, you are focused. You are shocked on how challenging it is. It remember you. If you're a parent, it reminds you on how you're supporting your children learning to read and write and how patient and how tolerant you are when your kids are learning something new? And how do you offer yourself some space and grace when you're learning something new? So it's a great visual and you kind of feel it from the, you know, the top of your head all the way inside your body on what that challenge feels like. And it really resonates with me because I broke my wrist um, a little over a year ago and I broke my dominant hand and Mm. I had to do everything with my non-dominant hand, which was a challenge. And As frustrating as it was, it was a great reminder and experiment on and helping me relate back to some of the challenges that my clients are going through. And that new is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it takes time. And it took practice to be able to write out that sentence and to be able to feed myself. And I was finally able to use chopsticks and I could dry my hair. And, you know, all of a sudden things started to become a little bit easier. Um, Fortunately, it, you know, it's, it wasn't a lifetime because it was still a challenge. And really, it was a benefit of going through something that was a challenge. Mm -hmm. That's great to know for your clients. So, so many things are going through my head. So many
0: questions. So this is the case I should have written them all down. Okay. So I'm someone, and I like some of your word choice. I struggle and struggle is not a great word choice, but I struggle with maintaining habits. Obviously, not waking up in the morning, which is crazy because that's a struggle for most people. So, with your expertise, well, I'm going to give you an example of something I'm struggling with, and you can tell me how do you how do you do this? How do you break this down? Okay, so I'm doing this new. It's all about me. This is all about how how do you how are you going to fix me? I'll I'll go into other examples that aren't about me. So I'm doing this new plan with Corinne Crabtree, and I'm so excited because. No more diets. I'm not doing diets anymore. And she's all about planning your food, listening to your hunger scale, sleeping, which is kind of annoying because with the kid thing, I don't feel like I have as much control as I want to, and water. Those four basics. Writing a plan and then writing down what I'm actually doing at the end of the day is not consistent. So, what would you, how would you advise someone who wants that to be a habit? How would you start? I mean, obviously just do it, but what is all this drama sticking so, to something? So
1: when you tell me you want, what part of it that is is the biggest challenge? Is it writing it down? Is it the consistency? Consistency. Okay. And you labeled four different topics. Mm-hmm. So you're on four different avenues. Right. What is, out of those four things, what is the one that is most important to you right now? I think planning my food I think is a good start. So meal planning. Yeah. And or just writing it down daily. Okay. So is it, when you say writing it down daily, is it about writing down what you're eating tomorrow or is it about what you wrote or what you ate today? I'll usually write it down first thing in the morning before I start the day. So the
0: day of. So let's say I'm at 6 a.m. and say this is what I'm going to eat today. And then I look, uh, ideally, I write what really happened at the end of the day. And that's de- that part definitely is not consistent.
1: Okay. realistic. So <laughs> and do realis-
0: she, she encourages realistic.
1: Okay. So first thing is that waking up and trying to figure out what you're going to eat for the day, it kind of puts you behind the eight ball mm. already. Mm-hmm. So when I think about meal planning, I try to think about it, what's happening in the future, so that you can plan for the future, because meal planning encompasses four different things, planning, provisioning, prepping, and protecting. So you need to plan what you're gonna eat, you need to provision, you need to get groceries or food, whatever that looks like to you, into your house. I don't like that part. Well, there's ways to make that easier. <laughs> I know, it and is, And there's That's plenty true. of ways That's to make true. that easier. Then there's making time to prep for it. Not and then, at that party. And then there's ways to make that easier as well. And then it's protecting your time. How do you get it done? And if you're starting that plan at 6 a.m., that means that you didn't really plan for it, and you're fitting it in around your scheduled day. Mm. Because my guess is is that if you schedule, if you had an appointment with a client, you know that that's happening at 10 o'clock. You know that you need to bring your kids to school at 7:30. You know you should be present at two o'clock. The, everybody wants food at four o'clock, and dinner is at six. Where have you built in time to make all those things happen? If you're starting at 6 a.m., mm. yeah.
0: So, so just plan it like a week ahead-ish. Hopefully, so Try. there's
1: and there's tools. One of my all-time favorite tools is something called PlanToEat.com. And as a former caterer, I only wish that it was there when mm. I was catering because I used to do everything by hand. I had lists upon lists. Oh wow! And every recipe I'd be going through line item. And it was hours and hours and hours of work. Now I have this app called plan and it's easy to cut and paste recipes into it. I can enter my favorite recipes by hand, which is easy to do. And there is a calendar in there and you can drag your recipes in there and then it will create a shopping list for you. Mm. And what is really great, is a couple of things. One is that if I haven't planned ahead of time and I'm out and about and I need groceries, I can just look at my app, decide this is what I want for dinner, and there's a shopping list and I can hit the grocery store. In a perfect world, I will have planned on taking an hour over the weekend and said, okay, this is what I'm going to be eating for the week. And I always try to, I call it meal planning and menu mapping. How do you take what you're going to eat and repurpose it for another meal so that you are not constantly cooking and I love planning that. every day. Mm-hmm. So those are things that I really go into a lot more detail in my meal planning workshops. And meal planning looks different to everybody. It's There is no best – and I don't advocate that now that you're going to meal plan that you're home and you're cooking 21 meals a day. That's not what most of our lives look like. We are going out. We're, you know, on the road. We're eating in restaurants. How do you build that in and how do you turn what your choices are of where you eat into your health and wellness goals? Mm. So going back to your original question is, as opposed to doing it at six in the morning, what what is something that would make it a little bit easier so that you have a better idea of what that day looks like? What Mm. What would be your next step? What would be your easy where you say, oh, I can do that? Night before.
0: (laughs) I don't know if a whole week Okay, so so the (laughs)
1: night before is going to make it a little bit easier than the day of. Mm -hmm. And focusing on one day at a time or one meal at a time is a place to start. Once you get confident and comfortable with that, how do you branch that out where you say, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to do a roast chicken today because I know I'm going to have leftovers and I can turn that extra chicken into chicken tacos. So how do you take what you're going to do today and use it for lunch tomorrow or dinner Mm. tomorrow? Or if you're cooking soups, cook a double batch and freeze some. How do you make it so that you're not one and done? So it's rare that I will do a meal where I cook one thing and that's it. Right. Um, Not to say that I won't, I just know that if I have a crazy busy week, I need to keep repurposing. Mm. Um, And then I have my go-to meals that I know that I always have ingredients in the house, that if all else fails, that there is something that I can eat. Last night was a perfect example. I had a meeting from 6 to 7. I did a webinar from 8 to 9. And at 9.30, we're like, okay, it's dinner time. And one of our go-to meals is... taking toast putting avocado on it sliced tomatoes um, chopped onions handful of spinach and two eggs okay and that has low processed carbohydrates healthy fat protein it was a complete meal and it took me less than 10 minutes to make and we okay. were able to sit and it's really important for my partner and I that no matter what we're eating, that we sit together and have a family meal because mm-hmm. that is after a long day, part of health and wellness is connection. And sometimes it's not so important about what you're eating, it's how you're eating or or what that experience is like. Mm. Um, and even without looking at what your food choices are, there's some fundamentals that even if you have the crappiest diet, the worst choices in front of you, understanding how to eat slowly and listen to your body on fullness and hunger, that is enough to start to make a difference in somebody's self care and health and wellness plan. So much, so much there. Yeah. I mean, imagine like
0: for me, I've been overeating since I was five. Imagine if I didn't clean my plate. (laughs) I mean, that's – a so this is the – like what you're saying and what the Corinne Crabtree thing is like listening to your hunger scale or like not having to be stuffed like – or maybe not even full, just satisfied. That's – it's hard. It is. But it's like at least saying I'm not going to start this – I'm going to start keto. It's just –
1: I'm just so tired of it. I've tried everything and I'm so tired of it. Stop the madness. I am the anti-diet person. Woo! If somebody tells me that they're looking to lose 10 pounds in 30 days, I will – The only guarantee that I'll ever give is that you will fire me on day 31, that there's so many different ways to measure success and progress. And as soon as you say that you're on a diet, you're keto or paleo, once you make one choice that is not on that exact plan, you feel like a failure because you have broken your diet. So I refer to myself as being diet agnostic, that the foods that you choose are the, cho- are the foods that are best for you. They make you feel good. They make you feel energized. Without even looking at those foods, practicing eating slowly and listening to your hunger and respecting what your body says are really the key foundations on how to create that sustainability because we're not even talking about food rules. We're not talking about you can eat this, you can not eat that. I prefer a plant-based diet. I will eat fish. I still prefer a plant-based diet. If my kids are home and everybody's, my kids are 27 and 22, they have their way of eating. And yes, I will, you know, I will eat chicken if everybody's home because sometimes it's just easier. Do they all know how I prefer to eat? Yes. But I'm not breaking my diet because I chose to eat something that really was made, it was easier. It didn't go out of my health and wellness goals. I still felt fine. I won't eat red meat. That's the non-negotiable because I just don't like it. So I base it on what I like and what I don't like and what makes me feel good. And that I have gotten away from calorie counting. I used to weigh and measure everything from the time that I was 12 years old. I had more food logs, the most boring food, the most boring reading that you could ever imagine. No bread, no wine, no alcohol, the list of no's, white fish that wouldn't even be able to go onto the grill because it would go through the grates, because anything more than that, if I ate a piece of salmon, was, you know, too many calories or too high in fat. And once I really became educated and learned through experience is that you can eat, if you're eating real whole foods, you don't need to calorie count. You don't need to weigh and measure. Go back to the basics on what does your body say? And you mentioned something, you know, since you were little and if you have kids, what is the language that you're using when you talk to your children? We are all so worried that they're not going to eat enough. As babies and as kids, they have that innate ability to know when they're full, know when they're hungry. When they're infants, they cried, we knew to feed them. When they shut their mouths, we knew they were done. As our kids get older, we're so inclined to saying, Oh, have one more bite. Let's negotiate. If you get this, you can have that. Aren't you hungry? Their response, our responsibility is for us to provide good, healthy food to our children, three meals a day with a couple of snacks in between. Their job is to decide if they're hungry and how much they want to eat and not for us to say this food is better than that food. You can control what's in your house. You can't control what's out of your house. They're going to a birthday party. Let them go to the birthday party. Don't micromanage their intake unless they have... Specific issues that you really need to be concerned about because it gives them autonomy It helps them discover and we need to learn to just zip our mouths and say Do you want one more bite or eat this versus that if we're providing a good healthy choice? And you want to put new foods on the table put the new foods put something that you know that they like so that you don't have a battle Don't ask them to taste it. Don't negotiate Let them discover it. It may take 10 or 15 times for them to put one bite into their mouth. That's what learning and change is all about. Mm. And we need to continue to think about basic fundamentals, get rid of the food rules. I'm not, you have to be organic, you have to be clean. You have to do what's best for you and respect your
0: body. So this is, you know, some example of maybe some person, not me. No, it's me. (laughs) I really try to be healthy, but it's the easy shortcuts that pr- it could be, whole foods would be better. So, have you seen those like fro- in the frozen veggie aisle? They have the vegetable pasta. I feel a little bit guilty because I feel like I quote should be making whole foods for them. But I just wonder is this bad? Not bad. I know we wouldn't say that. Like, is it a better option than like chicken nuggets or should I really try to get my act together and cook them whole foods?
1: So, Think about things on a spectrum where maybe chicken nuggets is the worst and maybe zucchini pasta is the best. Where is the okay for you? And if you're starting at chicken nuggets, and I'm not saying that chicken nuggets are the worst. I mean- and You're a horrible person if you have them. No, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> not going there. Um how do, how do you make the, you know, if, if the kids are about the chicken nuggets, how do you make the chicken nuggets the best option that you can? Read the labels. What are the ingredients? Is it baked versus fried? What is the best chicken nugget that you can make? What is, and if you want to start getting into pastas and you're interested in exploring veggie pastas, you don't have to make the veggie pasta. If you go to Market Basket... There's a whole section in the produce where you can buy the veggie pasta. And if your kids aren't ready to experiment with the veggie pasta, then go with standard pasta and start to integrate it a little bit so that it's not a new frightening food. Our kids, how old are your kids? Almost six and one seven. They're very capable of starting to be able to help you in the kitchen and decide what to eat. Teaching our kids to cook is a life skill and a gift. It is not that – it's not a chore. It is a life skill that we all need to learn and will be a valuable lesson, and it's a great time to bond with your kids. There is – I've heard now in the last week or so, there's something called radish, I believe. What is the name? I haven't had a chance to research it, and it is a – it's kind of like Blue Apron for little kids where oh. they get simple recipes oh, and they start to learn how to have the kitchen skills. So if you're not a cook person and it's hard for you to imagine like, oh my God, I got to have my kids in the kitchen and I don't know what to do with them. It might be a good way to start to create some community and give them the skills on how to hold a knife and what are the tools and what are the things that make meal planning easier. We all have to eat. It's non-negotiable. We have to we get to choose how we want to nourish our bodies. Oh my God. I love
0: that idea. So my daughter actually wants, one of her things she wants to be as a chef. We did a create a cook cooking class together in Newton. Have you seen that? That was a gift. Nice. She, she prefers to make things like baking, which I have this panic of like, I'm going to eat all the sweets. She made her own ice cream. Like she loves it. So I love that idea
1: about the radish. So ice cream, there are ways to make ice cream healthier. One of my favorite desserts is banana chocolate ice cream. And it is simplistic. You take those bananas that are starting to get rotten Lots on your of counter. Those. Lots of those in the freezer. Toss them into the freezer. Take them out. Let them defrost for about 5, 10 minutes. Put them into a Cuisinart. Add some unsweetened cocoa powder. Just let it go until it's creamy and smooth. And you have chocolate banana ice cream. Really? So there's ways – you know, she's into baking – Learn how to create healthier baked items. Right. All baked items aren't evil. So how do you create healthier choices when she's learning to cook so that she gets those skills that baking can be creative and healthy and delicious? Because just because it's healthy doesn't mean that it doesn't taste good if you know how to find the right things. okay, and, and if you are going to make something that's really super yummy and delicious, maybe you serve it with a bowl of fresh fruit so that you have a half a piece of cake and the fruit versus mm-hmm. a full piece of cake. How do you make it balanced so that it is okay and that it doesn't become good, bad, right, mm-hmm. wrong, guilt, mm-hmm. all that stuff? There's so many other things we need to worry about. How do we work on getting rid of those voices in our heads that torture us? Get those, please get those out. There is a way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had those voices for many, many years. And it's only in the last few years have I really become okay with balance and understanding that what I'm doing is really good enough. And Mm, there are some times that I need to become more in tune to my body because it's easy to let it go. Just because I'm a health and wellness coach doesn't mean I get it right 100% of time. I've learned to accept that 80% of the time really gives me a lot more freedom and it makes me a happier person. So do you have any restrictions besides red meat? Do you have sugar, wine, cake, all that sexy stuff? No, I don't. I I don't as a rule, and I shouldn't say rule. I typically, I will never order anything that is fried. If somebody has French fries, I'm happy to steal a few. Um, no fisherman's plat? Oh, you don't that like is fish? Not, no, I eat fish. I love fish. Do you like fra- fisherman's platters? That is not my thing. Oh my so god. So fried food is is definitely something that I prefer to avoid because it doesn't make me feel good. That is one of Shocker. those things, That is one of those things that I haven't been able to say like and eat with abandonment. It just it doesn't make me feel good. I know too much, it just doesn't work for I know me. too much. Um, and we always laugh because my partner is he's originally from the Czech Republic and he grew up on, you know, bacon fat and fried food. And when I came around, they understanding that there was color on the plate was a whole new world. (laughs) Not a lot of color in fried food. Yeah, not a lot of color. And when he travels, that's when he gets his indulgences. That's when he eats his fish and chips or he gets his steaks. Okay. Because he knows that I'm not going to make that at home. You know, Mm. if my kids are home, he always laughs because when my kids come home, uh, all of a sudden steak will show up. All of a sudden there's butter on the table. Because I know that my kids – that's what my kids eat. Right. And it's in balance and it's fine. Right. Um, and Cocoa Krispies show up in my house. So it's, you know, I respect the fact that my kids are adults. They're 22 and 27. It's not for me to tell them how to eat. Mm. They know that the meal is going to be predominantly healthy and that those other things get snuck in when they're home because it makes them feel like it's home. So, you know, calamari is one of those things that my partner loves. And when I met him, he only ate fried calamari. And I was not willing to share that. I would have a bite and I was done. And now it's turned into grilled calamari. And we both love it and enjoy it. And it's tasty. So it's learning how to make things a little bit better and Mm -hmm. be willing to try and experiment and see what works he's not willing to give up his fish and chips so he gets them when he goes out for lunch with his from work and that's fine most days because it's important to me that he eats well i plan for leftovers and he often will take leftovers for lunch so that if he goes and gets his fish and chips once a week who cares right right it
0: doesn't matter oh so many questions i have okay so i want to give you an example um i have a friend who has been struggling she's working out really hard and the food is a struggle she's doing crossfit and she needs to figure out her food she wants she wants restrictions she wants a plan she wants a dietitian that's going to give her a food plan and i'm kind of going into this you know what to eat you know work on your mindset so i mean what what would you say to that like she doesn't want to do shakes we've done like all the shakes before like all the restricted diets the keto everything so but someone who's kind of resistant to there's no
1: bad food or there's no this work, you know, you're fine. I mean, what do you, what do you do? It is, it's, it comes down to three things. What are you ready, willing, and able to do? Okay. And you have to be, you know, once you know where you're on the scale, you know, are you ready to try something different? Are you able? Are you willing? And it really starts on what, where your mindset is on what you're open to. The biggest question is if you've done this, you've done A, you've done B, you've done C, you've done it again, you've done it again, you've done this, you've done that, and it's not working. So if it's not working, at what point are you ready to try something different? Are you willing to try and experiment for a couple of weeks and and see how you feel? Doesn't mean that you're committed, doesn't mean that you're locked in, doesn't mean you have to do this. Are you willing to try and experiment and and make one change and see how that feels. Mm-hmm. And what is that one small thing that you say, okay, I, I'm I can do that. I'm willing to try that. Mm-hmm. So without knowing her, without knowing her history, it's not for me to say, you need to start here. Everyone's starting place is so different and everyone's history is so different that we have so many stories in our head. Mm. And our stories in our head brings us forward to the future without being in the present. So what is it that if you started with a blank slate, what would it look like? Hmm. What is it that you're willing to try? I like that because there's, yeah, there's
0: so much drama and so much history. Yeah. That we, sounds.
1: It's our history brings us, our, it creates our trajectory unless we are willing to take a step back and say, you know what? I want to be present. When people say they want to be mindful, they want to be present. It goes more than just sitting here. It is trying to remove those stories and really be connected with that moment in time. And is this the best choice at this moment in time? Hmm. You said that it's been in the
0: past couple of years that you've finally been able to like quiet
1: the voices. Do you have any any tips to lessen it? <laughs> Qu- yeah, Any quick fixes? I mean, it's, it was, trust me, it was not a quick fix. I have been dieting since I'm 12 years old. I have been 205 pounds. Oh, really? I have been 112 pounds. And to be honest, my best guess is that I probably weigh 130 pounds today. I do not weigh myself because I know that is what makes me crazy. Mm. So I have eliminated that. I do not measure my happiness or how my day is going to be by getting on a scale Mm -hmm. because I know that can still wreck me. So I go based on, am I eating well? Am I exercising? How do I feel? What is my energy? And That has been a huge shift. And the biggest shift was getting educated. And it really came from when I had my catering business, I really focused on healthy food, and that's what I was known for. Hmm. Um, Healthy, delicious food. I would work with clients, and they'd say, well, nobody's eating at my cocktail party. And I said, well, let's create a menu where people are going to eat, that they're going to enjoy it, that it's not all fried and doughed and breaded. And people are going to really love beautiful, healthy food and it didn't have to be a hundred percent. There was some indulgences, you know, there was balance. It was probably 80, 20, maybe 70, 30, depending who the client was, except that there was always something healthy for people to eat so that they could sit and enjoy. Mm. And when I started, when I left my business due to my divorce, I started working with, um, two different companies and I was always in conflict with their menus and I was presenting food that didn't make me feel good. It really wasn't up to me. And, I lost my voice and I was always in conflict. Mm. And fortunately, things changed in my personal life and my partner said at the time that if I wanted to make a job change, do it now. And I quit my job on a Friday and went back to school on a Monday. Mm. I received my personal training certification, two health and wellness certifications. I continue to go for um, continuing education on motivational interviewing and how to improve my coaching skills constantly. And it really is through my education on mindset and understanding nutrition that the voices in my head really started to diminish. And I really, I stopped dieting and Mm. I stopped making myself crazy. And fortunately, I have an amazing partner who accepts me for who I am. And I don't feel that if it's a good day or a bad day, he's not looking at my calorie content and what I'm eating. And he doesn't judge and he knows that if I'm a little bit more, you know, if I'm more tuned in, it means that I've been a little too laxed and that there's give and take and I've learned what the balance is and I know that you can learn that balance too. It takes time, it takes practice and it just takes the ability to know that you can get there and that as long as there's hope and that's what you want to do, one small change at a time adds up over time.
0: I think it really is working with the program that I'm doing that's not a diet, um, I mean, yesterday I'm wasting food, but I made, I, I don't think to make like half the pasta. I make the whole thing. That's just what I've always done. So for my kids, I made pasta. And then instead of being like, oh, I'll eat this later, or I shouldn't eat this later, but knowing I probably will, or I'll pack it for lunch, I just threw it in the trash. I've never, that not good wasting food, but like knowing myself, I've never, and I didn't even th- overthink it. I'm just like, boom.
1: So those little things I think kind of so, add up. So waste. Think about it as one of two ways. Could have been on your ass. It it, it ends up in the trash no matter what. It either ends up in the toilet or it ends up in the trash can. That is the bottom line. So if it goes right into the trash, it leaves less in your body. Okay. So waste is waste. How do you learn how to say it's okay? We're not sending – you know, I know that there's people and it's hard to waste food because there are people who do need food. Right. And putting that aside – There's nothing, we can't repurpose the food that we have in our house to give to, you know, a homeless shelter is not going to take your leftover pasta. Mm. So you have two choices. How do you repurpose that food for tomorrow or get rid of it because it doesn't make you feel good? Right. How do you make foods that are going to make you feel good that you don't want to have to throw out because you know that if you eat too much, it's not going to be good for you? And eating half is great because... That's about how do you discover what is good for your body, and half was good for your body, full was not. Right. So that's a huge step forward.
0: Yeah, it never even occurred to me, but I just did it without thinking. So I mean, I think a lot of people want to change fast. It's like We want quick fixes. It's all or nothing like you've talked about before. There is no and quick it's, fix. I, things are changing slowly for me, and I think to be okay with that is fine. Um, you know, I wish more people were more focused on feeling good, having energy instead of the scale and their clothes fitting right. Um, I mean, my compelling reason for trying to lose weight, and I've talked to you about this before, is just I want to live a long life. And I know things can happen, but at least to know that I tried and wasn't like, whatever. But I remember our first conversation, I said, you know, I'm like, I'm a a bigger weight than I quote, feel like I should be. I feel a healthy person is at my height is 130 and I'm not even close to that. But you kind of made me, I don't, you said be healthy at any size and I'm thinking, but yeah, but just I'm 50 pounds overweight. So I'm just going to die young just because of my weight. But I, so, I think you kind of.
1: <laughs> so, and and what you, what's an interesting topic is that the research shows that undernourished people have greater health problems due to their weight hmm. than quote unquote heavier overweight people. We don't die unless you're severely, you know, extraordinarily obese. Mm-hmm. You don't die from being 50 pounds overweight. You die from lack of movement. You die from the types of foods that you're eating because they're clogging your arteries. Mm-hmm. You you die because the types of foods that you have put in. 50 pounds is not going to kill you. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Don't quote right, me right, on right, that. Right, right. The research lends to, the studies show that people that are 80 pounds and undernourished and anorexic, those people are going to die or have a greater chance of going to die than the person who is 50 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. And being active, shifting your diet, sleeping well, dealing with stress, those are things that when those are in balance, you're a healthy person, whether you are hundred and seventy pounds or hundred and fifty pounds—that those individual actions are part of what makes a healthy lifestyle, and you are living a healthier lifestyle every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I, totally, and I
0: mean, people who go on these diets—I I remember back in the day hearing the the people who actually keep the weight off. It's it's like there's like ninety-seven percent
1: people gain all their weight back it, or something in the nineties, right? Is so that still? It's it's. I think the numbers anywhere between three and five percent do not. Gain the weight back, wow. and it's because you create these scenarios where you're on this restriction, this diet, and you're restricting and depriving. And then, as soon as you can't do it anymore, you rebound, and you your body is you go off the wagon. Yeah. And by creating a, by creating small changes that feel like they're okay, I can mm-hmm, do that. Mm-hmm. You're strengthening that new muscle. And you are creating those new patterns and it becomes your new normal. Just like we were talking about with that handwriting exercise, over time, that left hand or your non dominant hand starts to become easier. It becomes practiced. Mm -hmm. And it's just the same way that you started to give examples. Like all of a sudden, you know, you've been thinking about how do I, you know, what about the waist? And all of a sudden, without thinking about it, you said, you know what? I'm making this change. And you threw out the food because you knew that's because you've been working towards that new pattern. Mm. And you have been, even though you might not have been able to see all those actions that are taking place into your brain, our brain can rewire. The neuroplasticity in our brains creates neuropathways that make it us possible to create new changes in our life mm. that's and awesome. new patterns.
0: Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's very hopeful. Um, so your your big thing is meal prep workshops. Yeah, I definitely want to hit one up because I get very overwhelmed when anyone says food prep, meal prep, meal planning. I'm like, oh, but knowing Lisa just a little bit, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel like that would be fun. Everything needs to be fun for me.
1: I think you would make it zen and fun. It is fun, and you know, it's really and you could, the way that you even said it is like, how do you take the ug out of meal planning? Because you're not alone when you say. Ugh, you know, yeah, it, should do that, right? And it is so. The way that the workshop is, it's a three and a half hour workshop. The first hour and a half is talking about challenges and struggles and conversation. Really, just the way that we've been talking about it now. And what's nice is that it's in a small group setting. And everybody really automatically gets engaged and connected. Then we move into the kitchen. The meal is about 90% done. And we talk about some knife skills and some tools and gadgets and things in the kitchen that make meal prep easier. And then we move into my dining area and we share a meal together and continue the conversation about health and wellness the feedback I have been getting from participants has been awesome. It's fun. It's great takeaways. There's next action steps. Mm. I had somebody who came to my last workshop two weeks ago and her biggest takeaway is she's right now working from home and she's going to be working and commuting into Boston, you know, nine to five kids at home. Mm. And she left and she said, I need a personal chef. Like that, it's non-negotiable. She wants healthy, nutritious food. She knows that she doesn't have the wherewithal. She's in the fortunate situation that financially it makes sense. They are not they are not outrageous and they are doable for many people when you think that they're not. You know, what does your health and wellness cost? What is your investment when you go to the doctor for those copays? What does it look like? What does your mental health look like? It's mm. not just dollars and cents at the supermarket. Uh, I mean, some people it is, I don't want to discredit anybody's financial state. For those that it is an option, I'm all for meal, you know, I'm all for a personal chef. Figure out what is your stumbling block on how to get food into your house that is healthy and nutritious and makes you and your family feel good. So everybody has a different takeaway. Um, one person sent me an email the next day, said, you know, like, I learned how to roast a chicken and now that's I big. have leftovers.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. And For people, someone like me that's like, whoa, it feels so fancy.
1: It is. And, <laughs> and, and it's – you know, and I had one person – I've had a few, several people from my workshops that I do one-on-ones where they have um, – I have a series after the meal planning workshops where we spend an hour to an hour and a half on how to cook proteins, how do you cook vegetables, how do you cook – how do you make breakfast – and they leave with, when we did proteins, we did a roast chicken, we did tuna, salmon, and chicken parm, all meals done in an hour and 15 minutes. That's mm. enough food for a week. Mm. How do good you... stuff. Yeah, all good stuff.
0: Mm. And
1: so it's all sorts of different ways and meal planning, what works best for you. My goal is always about what's best for you. It's not my agenda. I work... With my skills, I can help you figure out how to get you to where you need to be or want to be. And kind of sounds like meet you where you are too. Exactly. That is the best way to put it, is that mm. you know, there's there's an agenda and then there's where are you at? And let's if it's if you're more advanced, let's go there. If you need to go back to the basics on how to hold a knife, let's start there. Mm-hmm. Because that's your stumbling block. It doesn't matter what I tell you to cook, because it's not for me to tell you anything. What are you interested in and how do you want to make it better for you? That's amazing. I love it. I could talk to you all day about this stuff. So we're going to sign off
0: soon, but I want to hear about this exciting raffle opportunity. And I think I'm going to have a bunch of fake names so I can...
1: (laughs) So I have decided for the holiday season that I am going to raffle off one workshop, which is for one person. It's $120 value. And if you're interested, you can, unfortunately, my technology is not up and running yet. Um, it will be shortly. So in the meantime, we can go back to the old-fashioned way of email. You can email me at at 68 at gmail.com or find me online and private message me. And I would need your email, your name, your phone number. Um, I, right now, I have classes from Jan- December through January, so there's a minimum of of 12 options available should you win wow. so that you know you don't have to worry about a specific date. Um, I'm also open to, I know there'll be other classes that I will be adding, but at a minimum you will have 12 to choose from. It's a great value. It's a great day. It's fun. I have people who are calling and scheduling like a girl's day out, kind of something different because it's an experience. It's a great gift and for the holidays. It's an amazing gift. I have gift certificates available for the holidays. And if you're doing a day out, chances are you're going to out, going out to eat. I can, I can't guarantee you. I could pretty much guarantee you that your meal is going to be probably better than most restaurants that we're going to be able to share and enjoy with great, interesting conversations. So reach out. I'm happy, you know, raffle, gift certificate, or I have one slot left for my December 7th class, and that's what I have coming up.
0: That's so exciting. Thank you so much for being on the show. I could talk to you forever about this stuff,
1: so I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It makes my day. It's fun to share all this stuff.
0: Yay!